The reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 24. And you can find it on page 1177 of the Church Bibles. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak... Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, fearlessly as I should. Tychius, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Helen. Let's pray as usual. Thank you, Father, that we are able to pray to you. As we think about prayer now, please draw our attention to those things that we need to learn and write them on our hearts so that we may put them into practice. Amen. Well, this is the final sermon in our series from Ephesians chapter 6, as Chris mentioned earlier, and we've come to the subject of prayer But before we look at that, we just have to remind ourselves of the context, and that's why we've had the whole of that passage read to us. Paul has been telling us that life as a Christian involves us in a struggle, a spiritual struggle. Verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And he urges that we equip ourselves to be engaged in that struggle, 
and he uses the analogy of a Roman soldier to illustrate what's required. And it's a very memorable and powerful analogy. But it has a problem. It breaks down when it comes to prayer. Had Paul been writing today, perhaps about a British soldier, he'd have had a ready analogy. He might have said something like this. uh, Put on your uh, battlefield communications system and switch it on, for this is prayer. Uh, But for obvious reasons, he couldn't say that. Uh, But Paul was never a slave to his analogies. If an analogy got to breaking point, he just ditched it and went on and talked about something else. And that's what he does in this passage. He moves on to talk directly about prayer, leaving his analogy behind. Now, as I've been preparing for this sermon, I've been very conscious of a couple of issues. The first is that I'm not an expert on prayer by any means. I struggle, as a lot of other people do, in relation to this. And I'm very conscious that I I often take a step forward and then subsequently discover I've drifted quietly backwards again. Uh, Over the years, I have read a number of books about prayer and heard any number of sermons about it. And with all respect to the authors and preachers, I have to admit that most of them haven't helped me terribly much. And I'm a little worried that I might end up just adding to the list of not terribly helpful sermons uh, on this subject. And to try to avoid these problems, I'm going to stick very closely to precisely what the Bible says in relation to this. In fact, I'm going to focus on one verse, that one. Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That conveniently splits into two parts. And each part has three points that obviously jump out of it. So, just to alert you, this is a six-point sermon. (laughs) They're brief. Let's go to the first part. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray on all occasions. Paul makes that point in his letters time and again. This is what he said to the Thessalonians. Rejoice always... Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Then to the Colossians, Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. To the Philippians, Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. We need to pray on all occasions. You see, there is no set time for prayer. Of course, it may be convenient and sensible for us to set a time aside each day, perhaps in the morning, to pray. That may be very sensible. But what we mustn't do is think, great, I've had my time of prayer for today, And now I'll go off happy. I've done my duty. Because if we do that, we won't be praying on all occasions, will we? We need to make sure we pray as we get up. 
We pray as we go about our daily work and daily duties. We pray as we relax. We pray as we eat. We pray as we go to bed. We're called upon to pray on all occasions. And there's no set place for prayer. Again, it may be sensible on occasions for us to go into a room on our own, shut the door, free from distractions, and pray. But if we're praying on all occasions, that isn't going to be possible most of the time, is it? We're going to have to pray with the noise, the hustle and bustle and everything of the world around us. And we need to do that. And there's no set posture for prayer or other physical requirements. In order to concentrate, it may well be sensible for us to close our eyes and put our hands together. But if we're praying as we go about our daily lives, again, that's not going to be possible, is it, most of the time? We may well have to pray with our eyes open. If you pray while driving, please do that. You see, the Bible doesn't lay down any requirements for prayer except this. We should do it. Pray on all occasions. That's point one. Point two. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. There is no required form for prayer. Our prayers may be public or they may be private. We've used public prayers today. We may well use public prayers in a church prayer meeting or in our home groups or that kind of thing. But most of the time when we're praying on our own, they will simply be private prayers, won't they? Both are appropriate. One is not better than the other. The Bible does not say that. Our prayers may be audible or they may be silent. Of course, if they're public prayers, they will be audible. But most of our prayers uh, between us and God will be silent. Although that's not necessarily true, I certainly find when I'm tired or when uh, I'm otherwise having difficulty concentrating that it's quite helpful just to articulate, just gently mumble under my breath what I'm saying because it forces me to focus and to concentrate. Audible, silent, totally acceptable. Our prayers may be extempore or they may be written. Most of our prayers, uh, when we ourselves are just praying to God, are likely to be extempore. We will just say what is on our minds at the time and talk it through without prearrangement. But there's nothing wrong with written prayers. I know uh, from time to time there is a slight trend amongst Christians to belittle written prayers as if somehow they're not from the heart. Well... Written or extemporary prayers may be from the heart or not. The key is not the form. We may use prayers written by other people. We do in church, of course. Uh, And if you have a book and you find there's a prayer in it which expresses what you think you should be praying about, that's fine. Uh, If on occasions you think you really want to write down precisely what it is you want to say to God, then don't be afraid to do so. It's like a letter to God. Why not? In uh, medieval times, people wrote whole books addressed to God. The key is not the form of the prayer. We should use all kinds of prayers. Of course, some books try to categorise prayer. 
supplication, intercession, prayers uh, of contemplation, prayers of adoration, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of praise, etc. And that is useful up to a point. It helps to draw our attention to the sheer variety of things we should be praying about that's mentioned in the Bible. But we need to be careful. There is a danger. The danger is that we uh, become a slave to our own systematization. And we mustn't. The Bible shows us that all these different kinds of prayers can be all muddled up. Go and have a look at the Psalms. You'll find all of those in single Psalms, chopping and changing, going from one to another. The form doesn't matter. The key is we have all kinds of prayer. And all kinds of requests, you'll note, it says there. I remember years ago, many years ago, 40 years ago, uh, my mother was absolutely astonished, in fact, completely bemused, to discover that a Christian friend of hers prayed for a car parking space when going shopping. And as far as mum was concerned, the idea that God was interested in her friend's car parking space was beyond comprehension. But he is. Nothing is too little to present to God in prayer. We need to remember that. But we also need to remember that nothing is too big to present to God in prayer. Pray for car parking spaces and pray for world peace. Present all kinds of prayers and requests. That's point two. Point three. You may have noticed I left this out because it's convenient to deal with it third. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Now, what does that mean? Some commentators think the word spirit there refers to our spirits, in which case it simply means pray from the heart. And there is reason for that. There's no definite article in the Greek. It actually says pray in spirit on all occasions, which may suggest it's referring to our spirits. However, I don't think that's right. And most commentators and just about all Bible translators take the view it's referring to the Holy Spirit. And the reason is this. In the original, verses 17 and 18 are one sentence. In fact, all of verses 14 to 18 are one sentence. Uh, What it says is, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Now, the first reference to the Spirit there is clearly a reference to the Holy Spirit, and it seems likely that the second reference, only a few words later, is referring to the same thing. In which case, what this is saying is, pray in the Holy Spirit on all occasions. But we've still got a question. What does that mean? I think it's reasonably simple. The Bible tells us that we can only relate to God because the Holy Spirit enables us to do so. We need the Holy Spirit's help to relate to God, and specifically, we need his help to help us to pray. If you want to explore that further, take a look at Romans 8.26 afterwards. So we need to seek the Holy Spirit's help even in our praying. More than that... The Bible also tells us that we need to be transformed. We need to have our attitudes and our way of thinking transformed so as to conform with those of Christ. And who does that? That's the Holy Spirit again. 
And so even as we pray, we need to be seeking the Holy Spirit's transformation so that we are in alignment with him. Put more simply, when we pray, we shouldn't think, oh, well, this is something I can at least do for myself. I pray, and by the way, I can simply you know, talk, talk from my own attitudes, my own way of thinking. No, we need to recognise we need the Holy Spirit's help And we should even in prayer be seeking to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit. That's point three. So there we have it. That's the first bit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Let's move on to the second half, which also has three points. With this in mind, be alert And always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Be alert. We need to be alert in order to make sure that we're praying. We need to be self-aware. We need to be monitoring ourselves and regularly asking ourselves, are we praying on all occasions? Do, Do you regularly do that? I do it. Sometimes. And the problem is, when I do it, I recognise almost every time that I've slipped back. And having done it, I take a step forward. Now, if I did it more regularly, I'd have slipped back less before I got there, and I'd take more steps forward. We need to do it regularly, to be alert so that we do, in fact, pray. But we also need to be alert so that we know what to pray for and how to pray. The Bible makes that point on a number of occasions. This is 1 Peter 4, 7. Be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. And I quoted Colossians 4, 2 a little while ago. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This business of being alert is always linked in the Bible to prayer. You see, the Bible spends quite a lot of time telling us what is happening in the world, the true reality of what's happening in the world, and its significance. Uh, We had an example of that in verse 12 that I quoted uh, earlier about our battle not being against flesh and blood, but being against spiritual forces. We need to make sure that we are aware of what's going on around us and of its significance. Why? Because only if we do that will we know how to react and and how to respond to those things. And specifically, only if we do that will we appreciate what we should be praying about and how we should be praying. Let's go back to the soldier analogy, or, or more particularly to my modern adaptation of the soldier analogy. A soldier may be fully equipped, have on all Paul's armour, have the weapons, but if the soldier isn't alert... He's still in mortal danger, isn't he? In particular, he may have his communication system switched on, but he won't know what to ask for. He won't know what the situation is around so as to be able to talk to base about the right things. Do you remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? He came back to the disciples and they were sleeping. What did he say to them? Watch and pray. And in that passage in Colossians I've quoted now twice, Paul generalises that. 
We need to watch and pray. We need to be alert so that we do pray and that we pray about the right things. Okay, be alert. Be alert and pray for all the Lord's people. Now, that's not a restriction. We can pray for all sorts of things, all kinds of requests. It's not a restriction. It is a requirement. Whatever else we do, we should be praying for the Lord's people. We're not isolated individuals. We're members of the body of Christ, the church, and we should be praying for one another. And that means we here should be praying for for one another here, for all members of the body of Christ here at St. John's. Not confined to that. Pray for the rest of the church as well. But also pray for the work of the church, again, starting here and more widely. Did you notice that immediately after telling the Ephesians they should pray for all the Lord's people, Paul asked for prayers for himself? This is verse 19. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The top job of the church is to glorify Christ by declaring the glorious gospel of Christ. And we should particularly be praying about that, particularly praying, especially for those people who are evangelists, who are charged uh, especially with that job, although praying for all of us about it, because we're all called upon to declare the gospel. We should pray for all the Lord's people. And then, sixth and final point, we should keep on doing that. Keep on praying. Pray continually, as Paul said to the Thessalonians in that passage I quoted earlier. It's pretty obvious that, isn't it? In fact, I really haven't got anything to say about that point, except, of course, let's do it. But it does give rise to a question. Why don't we? Or or, or to put it more generally, why why don't we do all of that? Now, I I should be careful. I know there are a lot of people who are much better about prayer than I am, and, and I need to be careful that I don't tar everyone with the same brush. If when you examine yourselves, you're able honestly to say, yeah, I do do that, then that's brilliant, praise God. But for those of you... And if you don't mind me saying so, I suspect there are a number of us who are, like me, one step forward, slide back. We need to ask ourselves, why? How can we get better at this? There may be many reasons when you examine yourself why you're like that. But I think one reason that often exists is that we somehow lack motivation. And we lack motivation because we don't deep down see the importance of prayer. At least, we don't feel it. And if we're in that position, it's probably because we've got a wrong perspective on what's going on in the world. If we understand what's going on in the world from a biblical perspective, then we will have the right perspective. We will then understand the importance of prayer. 
will then have motivation to prayer and probably will then do it. And as we close this sermon series from Ephesians 6, it's worth reminding ourselves that having concluded here with prayer, we need to remember the motivation that Paul has given us in the rest of the passage. I half mentioned that at the beginning of the sermon, but let's just remind ourselves one last time. What's Paul said about the reality of the world, the perspective we should have? Let's go back again, one last time in this sermon series, to verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The idea that we can prevail in a struggle against that lot in our own strength is ridiculous. And the fact that we live our lives as if we could simply shows the prevalence of sin still in our very attitudes. Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing, John 15, 5. We need to get God's help. We need, as Paul puts it in verse 10, to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And the good news, the good news that Paul's been giving us here, is that mighty power of God is available to us. God gives us his armour so that we can prevail in that struggle that he's been talking about. He gives us the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God equips us, and that's great news. But, but if we don't communicate with our commander-in-chief, then we, then we are still deeply vulnerable. A soldier who is really well-equipped and fails to use his battlefield communication system will find he's in the wrong place, doing the wrong things, on his own, not supported by other soldiers, and not supporting those other soldiers. And if we fail to pray, we will be in exactly that position in our Christian lives. In fact, we won't be able to have all that armour of God. You see, as I mentioned earlier, the whole of verses 14 through to 19 is a single sentence in the original And what Paul does is lists all the things that you're to put on and then uses a participle saying we should be praying in relation to all of that. So what it's saying is this, put on the full armour of God, put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the helmet of salvation, take up the sword of the spirit, praying in the spirit continually on all occasions, praying as you do all of those things. You see, the greatest thing we have that gives us access to God's mighty power is prayer. We can't prevail in the Christian life on our own. But the good news is that God already has prevailed over all those things in verse 12. And in prayer, we can enjoy the benefits of that victory 
And we can have God's armour. We can live the lives that are uh, what God wishes us to live. That ought to be a motivation. So that we pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Amen.